We're so pleased uh, that you've uh, joined us uh, during uh, August. Uh, You've actually come uh, in the middle of a series. We're looking at the life of Abraham. If we've not met, my name is Matt. uh, uh, I lead the team that leads Mosaic, and it's my privilege to be speaking today. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on the whole um, subject of prayer. And if any of you are wanting to um, read over the summer, perhaps you're going to be lazing by a pool somewhere. I don't know if anyone is actually going to be doing that, but if you want to uh, spend some time reading, can I recommend this book to you? We've recommended it before, um, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. It's I've read lots of books on prayer, and this is probably the only one that I've read that I've actually wanted to pray by the end of it, and I've not been sort of like, oh, like um, daunted by it. Uh, if you would like to, it's really easy to read, full of stories, biblical, but very helpful, A Praying Life. Put that in your phone by Paul Miller. Highly recommended. Right, well, um, I've had numbers of conversations uh, in the last couple of weeks with uh, people about their spirituality. And a common theme as I've chatted to people is that uh, there's a general assumption that all religions are the same and uh, basically all the mainline religions are just worshipping the same God in a very different way. But one spectacular difference between Christianity and the other main world religions is this. When we pray, we not only expect God to listen, but we expect him to speak back to us. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, I remember the first prayer that I ever prayed. Uh, I don't come from a Christian family. I was about 14 or so, and I was sat in a meeting like this, and I prayed to God, and I said to him, "I I think I believe in you. And it was this sort of like stuttering prayer of saying, God, I think you're real. And uh, the response I got back was twofold. One, I was filled with an incredible sense of peace and joy uh, on the inside. But secondly, as I started to read my Bible, it was like it had been written for me. There'd be big bits of it that were like notes from God speaking into my life. I love that when we pray, God loves not only to listen, but to speak as well. And many people think that is crazy, but even more crazy is the fact that for those of us that are Christians and have been Christians for a while, it's easy to lose the wonder and sheer exhilaration that talking to God brings. And even more crazy than that, even though we know that God wants us to pray and we know that prayer is amazing and many of us have seen answers to prayer. Hands up if you've seen God answer your prayers. I mean, look at that. Isn't that incredible? We know this stuff if you're a Christian, yet we still don't pray very much. Many of us really struggle to get our heads around prayer. Many of us feel not very good at prayer. How many people don't feel very good at praying? Like if you're, wow, it's scary, isn't it? And that feeling often leaves us with this low-level sense of guilt and shame. So my guess is probably at least 70% of the room, when you saw that we were looking at prayer, there was an inward groan. There was like, oh, oh, I'm so bad at this one. Prayer is hard. I think because I sense that for my own life, and I'm, I'm sensing it in your lives as well. What we're not going to do this morning is try and motivate you to pray through guilt trips and shaming. Because that will only push you further away from God, not towards him. I want 
to do this this morning. I would love the, the scripture we're looking at, Genesis 18, to woo you, to draw you in again to the incredible wonders of prayer. That's just my simple job today is for, as we get into this story, for God to woo you back in and, and just remind you how wonderful and glorious prayer is. You up for that this morning? Excellent. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Genesis 18. Ian's going to come down the front and read this to us. Just um, if you are new, uh, perhaps you're not a Christian or you're just a guest today, you're coming in, it's almost like you're halfway through a box set and you've not seen the previous episodes and you've got all this stuff happening and you don't know who the characters are and you don't know the storyline. So just really briefly, Abraham, he's the guy that we're looking at today. He's a wealthy herdsman who is trusting God for his future. And he suddenly has some unexpected guests arrive at his tent. And in true sort of Middle Eastern fashion, he shows them great hospitality, welcomes them in. But suddenly the conversation gets very serious. They are stood uh, on a hill or a ridge overlooking a city. And the city is called Sodom. And this city is evil. It's known for being rotten at its core. And so much so, the suffering and the injustice that is coming from this place has sort of reached the ears of God. It's got God's attention. And he intends to bring relief and he intends to bring judgment. But before he does, God decides to have a conversation with Abraham about this place. And this is what Ian's going to read to us. Uh, So if you're following this Genesis chapter 18, starting at verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they've done is as bad as the outcry that's reached me. If not, I'll know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, 
What if the number of righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him. What if only forty are found there, he said. He said, for the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? He said, for the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. That's great, thank you Ian. That was very dramatic, wasn't it? Excellent. Let me pray for us. You can just bow your heads. Lord, um, your disciples once prayed, teach us to pray. And what you said to them was so life-giving and profound that they became a praying band of disciples. I pray you'd come by your spirit and do the same for us today. Lord, teach me to pray. Amen. How many of you have taken your driving test? Yeah, quite a few of you. I wonder how many lessons you had before you passed. So my wife, who's just good at everything, she, I think, I, did have, I forgot to check with her, I think she had five or six lessons. And then she passed. Personally, always the three-legged horse, uh, slow in the class, I took 30 lessons before I took my test can anyone beat that? Anyone want to volunteer? No, I'm the slowest in the class. Oh, yeah, at the back. Yeah, okay, thank you. Everyone was a bit like, oh, yeah, me. So, 30 before, and thankfully, I passed first time. I was so nervous, actually, in my test that I stalled the car four times. But because I'd stalled it in every lesson leading up to that, I knew exactly what to do and was fine. Passed. Anyway, I bring this up because the subject around the dining room table in the Hatch household at the moment is my daughter, who is 16 years old, Izzy, wants to learn to drive. Now, if anything's going to drive you to pray, it's finding out your children are going to be let loose on the road. And she has inherited my lack of sense of direction um, and all of that stuff, so I'm actually quite worried. And so to prepare her, I've been trying to sort of get her to see what's happening on the road and explaining signs and what lane to be in and what other drivers are doing and just how you get to certain places. But the reality is she will only learn to drive by driving. And instructors know that, don't they? They sit you down when you have your first driving lesson. They sit you down, explain the controls, and then you're off. You get driving. And the reality is, it is exactly the same with prayer. I think you only learn to pray by praying. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you only learn to pray by praying. You hear that? 
Yeah. Prayer can be the most natural thing in the world, but to deepen your prayer life, to simplify your prayer life, it requires actually doing it. And I could give you lots of facts and figures about prayer, and you and I know it probably won't transform your prayer life. So I'm going to show you why you learn to pray by praying, and then we're going to actually pray together. So five ways this passage woos us or calls us into prayer. Number one, God hears us as we pray. After hearing God's plan for Sodom, verse 23, says, Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? God hears Abraham and then in response says, verse 26, The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. I think this is amazing. Um, just think for a moment about the noise that is in your home. So think about your home. Think about the radio being on, or the TV, or music, or the people. Think of the kids. Think of talking, shouting, singing, the hum of all things electric. And then think, not just about your home, but think about our city, or the place that you're from. Think about the noise that is generated outside of your home. Think about planes. Think about trains and cars and crowds and bands and buses and animals. Think about storms and thunder. And then think of the planet and the noise the planet makes. Think of the universe, the roar it creates should you listen. And then think that in this violently loud universe, God listens to you. I think that's the wonder for King David in Psalm 8 that says, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. God hears us. He hears every word. He hears every thought. But he doesn't listen like a of a disengaged counsellor, but rather point to God wants to hear us as we pray. God wants to hear us. Just before the verses I read, we get an insight into God's thought process. And he says to himself in verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him for I have chosen him. So God sort of goes back and forth in his mind. Shall I speak to him? Shall I not? And then he decides, yes, I shall speak to Abraham about this thing that I've hidden from everyone else because I've chosen him. And the reality is God feels the same about you and I. Some of us uh, perhaps had fathers that if you did what they said and left them alone, then things went well. But God isn't like that. Or some fathers uh, say to their kids, I find myself saying this, ask me that again. And it's not actually an invitation to ask again, it's a mild threat, ask me that again. But God doesn't love us like that. He loves it when we uh, speak to him. He loves to ask us to ask again. And I know many of you know this, but let me ask you this. If you're a Christian in the room, do you live with this deep sense of joy, knowing that God lovingly leans in and 
listens when you speak to him? Do you live in that place of joy? For me, personally, this is one of the best bits of my relationship with God. The thing that um, I, I love about the fact that I've been called into relationship with a Heavenly Father who not only listens but answers to my answers my prayers. I love the fact that he's there constantly and I can talk to him. And as I was preparing for this today, I was thinking of the hundreds, maybe thousands of different ways I get to interact with God during my day. And there are many small and large things that uh, I know I bring to God and God lovingly listens and then answers my prayers. You know, it's incredible when you step back and think of the claims, the extraordinary claims that Jesus made about our prayer lives. He says in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father be glorified in the Son. And there's six different occasions in the Gospels where Jesus puts it really bluntly and says, ask and I will give it to you. You know, I love the fact that God has that relationship with me. Um, just this week, I, I was working away and I felt God say, just, you know, go for a little walk and talk with me. And I stepped outside and on the road, you know, um, there's often like spray paint on the road for workmen tell put things of where the work's meant to be done. And it just said, I stepped out on the road and it said MH, which are my initials, and then it had an arrow pointing in the way that I was going to go. <laughs> I was like, you know, and you might think, oh, what a coincidence. But for me, it was like God just saying, yeah, I want you to go for a walk with me. It's a beautiful thing. Um, uh, for the, this year, really, I've been praying, probably the main prayer that I've prayed personally is for me to grow in my ability to talk about Jesus with people that, that don't trust him yet and don't love him. And uh, as a pastor, I work full-time for the church. I'm in a little bubble, to be honest. It's very hard to break out of that and meet some normal people and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, it's funny, I was actually uh, in a coffee shop writing the church's evangelism strategy for the next three years. Like, how we as a church are all going to grow at this? And I got up from my laptop and just sort of spun around and behind me... Uh, was one of the guys that I've been chatting to a lot in the coffee shop. And he said to me, oh, what are you doing? What are you working on? And like, in my mind, it's like, what, how do I answer this question? And I said to him, um, oh, a lot of people in our church really love Jesus lots, but we find it hard to talk about him to others. We don't want to offend. We don't want to get it wrong. And I said, it's surprising, though. I think people do want to hear about God. And he said to me, I would love to find out more about God. And it's just like a complete grace thing. God said, and I said, great. Um, I said, we, we've run a course called Alpha that is for people that want to find out more about Christianity. Would you like to go? Yeah, I would actually. That sounds great. And so he's gone to Alpha in the South because that's close to where he lives. You know, I, f- I feel like God is so beautifully, wonderfully, in his perfect timing, answering my prayers. On a big scale, I remember last year, um, uh, I think year before last, we had a special offering as a church, and we were praying as a family, what what, what should we give to it? And I had been saving up. You guys know that, that, that I'm quite into wood 
and chopping wood and wood burners and I haven't been injured for quite a while. I saw someone today actually who said last time we saw you, you had your hand in a plaster cast like this. I have had no further injuries, thank the Lord. But that's been a passion. I love the whole thing of getting wood and burning it and heating my house. And um, where am I going with this? Oh, I've totally, oh yes. And sorry, I got <laughs> I was just picturing my wood store there. I was in my happy place right there, and I got lost. But um, uh, before we got a wood burner, I'd been saving up, and it's quite expensive. You got a wood burner to buy one and then to fit it. And I felt the Lord say, you're to give the money away to the special offering. And obviously, we negotiated about that somewhat. But I felt the Lord was just so kind to me. He just said, listen, if if you give it away, I will return the money to you. And so, just beautifully, you know, we gave the money away, and just a few months later, I got a check in the post uh, from a neighbour who had sadly died, but had left me personally some money in his will, and that money was the money needed to buy a new woodburner and get it fitted. Now, when you think about that part of our relationship with God, remind yourselves how amazing that is that we get to come to God and ask him for stuff and he loves to answer Tennyson said this speak to him then for he hears and the spirit with spirit can meet closer is he than breathing and nearer than hands or feet God hears us as we pray and God wants to hear us as we pray thirdly and prayer if, if you get confused about what prayer is, prayer is simply asking God for stuff. From verse 23 to 32, you've got Abraham appealing to God's character as a perfect judge to save the city for the sake of 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10 people. Six times Abraham asked God. And so what is prayer? Well, mainly it means asking God for things. By things, I don't necessarily mean just objects and stuff, but I mean generally whatever your heart desires and needs. And of course, what your heart needs most is God, to know him and trust him and love him and obey him. But, and that stops prayer just becoming about like pizza delivery. I want this God, go fetch it for me. And I know that prayer is broader than that. It obviously stands within a relationship with God that is both speaking and listening and does include confessing sin, giving thanks and praise. So in a broad sense, prayer includes all of those things. But speaking precisely, prayer is requesting, it's asking. That's why Colossians 4 verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thanking God should always be a part of what we do in prayer. But prayer in a strict sense means requesting. So that's why I define prayer as asking God for stuff. So that's simple, but here's what we do. We change the formula in prayer. So I ask, or this is what we do to this simple fact that prayer is asking God for stuff. We say, I ask God for what I want And if I've asked correctly or suitably impressed him with my life, then he might just answer my prayers. I don't know if you ever find yourself doing that. Well, you know it's about asking. So you ask, but then you think the quality of the asking or my life 
in the background to this prayer will probably determine whether or not God answers. Anyone else do that? No one's nodding at this point, but I think you do that. I do that. And so when I go to pray, I often find myself saying, I'm not worthy to pray. God probably won't listen. Let me just remind you what we believe as Christians. And I know many of you know this. But it is never your righteousness, your goodness, your good deeds that gives you a good standing with God. Praise God that that is the case. It is Christ's righteousness imputed to you. The reason God hears you is because the righteousness of Christ covers you. Not because of your own. You wear his righteousness like a cloak. So as you approach God, God sees his goodness. You know, we believe this. God lives in unapproachable light. No one can see the face of God and live. The great patriarchs of the Old Testament, they all saw bits of God. They were never able to see the fullness of God. No amount of goodness or righteousness from us qualifies us to approach him. So we need someone to lead us by the hand that is righteous. We need someone to bring us into his presence. And Hebrews 10 reveals who does that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's only through Christ, the great high priest, that covers us in his righteousness. So some of us need to repent today. To change our thinking if that is your, if that's not your view of prayer. If you like me sometimes say, I'm just not worthy. Oh, look at my life. Look at my sin. I'm not worthy to even utter these words before God. You need to repent. It is the righteousness of Christ. It isn't on me. It's on Jesus. It's His righteousness that God sees. He hears our prayers and responds. So let us ask, let's pray. Let's pray for our families, our children. Let's pray for healing. Let's pray about ourselves. Let's pray for transformation. Let's pray for grace and provision and patience. Whatever it is you need, because of the righteousness of Christ, we come boldly with confidence. Amen. Amen. Fourthly, prayer changes us. Prayer is about asking, but the act of asking can shape us if we let it. And this is where we get the answer to the question, why do you only learn to pray by praying? It's because as we pray, we don't become experts, rather we are made more Christ-like. We become more dependent. Our asking becomes more in line with God's agenda. So we don't change first, and then we become these... Christians are able to pray, but we start praying, and if we let it, the process of prayer forms something in our hearts. E. Stanley Jones comments, prayer is surrender, surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. If I throw out a boat hook from the boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. 
Look at the story. Verse 20 talks about the outcry that comes from the city, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we don't hear the cry, but God hears the cry. And it comes from those that are suffering and those that are enduring tragedy and pain. God hears their cry for help and for justice. And as Abraham gets close to him, God shares that with him. And at this point, suddenly, Abraham, in conversation with God, gets God's compassion too. That's why he remains standing before the Lord and ready to plead for Sodom. Why does Abraham suddenly get it? Because hearing God's heart opens up his own and he looks over Sodom and who, what does he think of now? Well, he thinks of Lot, who's his nephew. He thinks of his daughters who live there and suddenly he doesn't just see a town in sin. He sees how God sees it. A few righteous souls in the grip of a sinful city that's about to be destroyed because of that sin. And suddenly for Abraham, it's personal. He's involved. He's invested. He's seen God's perspective on the matter. And suddenly he feels the same passion for the righteous and the city as God because he loves them too. Do you see that? He catches something of God's heart for the city. C.S. Lewis famously said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping, it doesn't change God, it changes me. And I don't fully agree with that. I think something does happen in the heart of God when we pray. But importantly notice, it changes me. Perhaps you thought prayer was all about asking for stuff which obviously it is in part, but you've missed the impact or the effects of that sort of praying, and that is transformation. And that's so helpful because we often wait until we feel moved to pray, when actually the feelings come as we pray. The Puritans used to say, I pray until I pray. And it's that sense of don't wait till you feel like praying to pray. But we pray And often the feelings come. It becomes more personal. There's a greater sense of ownership. Or we recognize the things in the lives that hinder our prayers, which I'll go on to in just a moment. So do you understand that? Prayer changes us. Why do we just need to pray? Why do we grow in prayer by praying? Well, prayer changes us. And fifthly and lastly, and I know this is obvious, but God does answer prayer. Think about it in this unusual story. In one sense, God's will was not changed. So the outcome was still the same. In the end, there were less than 10 righteous people, so the city was destroyed. God's will was done, and the outcome was the same, whatever Abraham prayed. What's it? Because in the story, in the next chapter, Lot and his daughters were saved, And the angel that was destroying the city said that he couldn't destroy Sodom until they were safe. And at the very end of the next chapter, it says in in chapter 19, so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. How amazing is that? Yes, the outcome was the same as The cities were destroyed, but in some mysterious way, the outcome was also changed. God remembered Abraham and honoured his prayers, and Lot was saved. Just three people in the end. 
And the fact that God remembered Abraham when destroying the city shows that he loves to answer our prayers. Now, if you've been a Christian a while, you will know that God answers our prayers with a yes, a no, or a wait. Even though we come clothed in the goodness and purity of Jesus, God still wants to mould us through prayer. There is still sanctification that happens. Sometimes God withholds the yes because of the work that he wants to do in us. So if we're asking without due reverence, then God often says no. Jesus' prayers were heard because of his reverence. Hebrews 5 verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayer and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard. Why? Because of his reverent submission. Are we asking with the wrong motives? James 4, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 1 Peter 3, are we asking with unrepentant sin? Are we saying, God, would you do this? And by the way, you cannot touch this bit of my life. And remarkably, in 1 Peter 3, married men in the room, the Bible says, if you're not honouring your wife, your prayers are hindered. If you're not honouring your wife, your prayers are hindered. So please hear me. These things change as you pray, not before you pray. So you don't have to get this tick list of perfect motives and all that sort of stuff before you engage with God. But it's as you engage, as you bring all your stuff with mixed motives and with a lack of faith and often with sin that's going on in your life, it's as you come to him with that and you allow him to change you and mould you and transform you, then you grow in your ability to pray. Prayer is an invitation for God to shape us. So repent where you need to and then ask. And I guess I want to say this to you. Be bold in your asking. Be confident in your asking. God delights in proving his character like he does with Abraham and demonstrating his power. We've got some huge dreams, as uh, as Ian said. Our our vision is God transforming lives. But next three years, we're praying for 100 people to connect with God that are currently not in a relationship with him. We're across leads. We're we're wanting to see 100 odd people have their lives completely transformed by the Lord Jesus. I want to see churches planted. I personally am still praying so hard that students across Leeds would, there would be a revival where many people would come to faith and we'd have the privilege of sending them to the nations. Now that's not going to happen because we're slick. Or because we're intelligent. Or because we do the seats nicely. You know, all that sort of stuff. It's not, you know, I, you know I love all those things. I'd happily put these chairs out every week and get them perfect. But what we need is prayer. Amen? We need people that call on God. And, and I feel like this is the start of something. Uh, that we are going to pursue for the next three years. If we're pursuing people connecting with God, the starting place is us connecting with God and seeking him and asking him for some miracles. What could stand against an army of prayers determined to see a city won for Christ?
I love Sidlow Baxter's famous quote, men may spur our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. So to finish, uh, let me ask you what the when, where and what of your prayer lives is. When? As you leave today, when are you going to pray? The idea is that you find your best uninterrupted time during the day. What is that for you? What's the best uninterrupted time of the day? It might be lunchtime. It might be before kids get up. It might be later on in the evening. When is the best time for you to pray? Secondly, where? Where is the best place for you to pray? Personally, I went through a long season of three young kids where sitting down was not an option for me and continuing to pray because I'd fall asleep straight away. So for a long time, it was walking and praying. Now, got a little bit more energy. I find a comfy chair in our front room. I've got a very simple view. It's an undistracted view. And if it's the winter, I've got a little blanket, cup of tea, sometimes a bit of chocolate, my Bible, prayer guide, whatever I'm using at the moment. That's my wear for prayer. And what to pray. Like a lot of us, when we just, you know, get in that place, you know, our mind's wandering, what is it that we should pray? Well, there's lots of things I could say. And obviously the Lord's Prayer is a really helpful guide. But I've got this for you. Could we just put this up, Matt? There it is. Uh, Sorry, the writing is so small. But we've just got little circles. We work from the inside out. And we pray for ourselves, then we pray perhaps for our spouse, children, immediate family, that pushes out to wider family and our friends and work colleagues and neighbours and then fans out again to Leeds or wherever it is that you're from and then fans out again to UK and the nations. And sometimes it's very simple but it's just helpful just having those labels and think, okay God, I do want to pray today and instead of just being this jumble which I'm sure God appreciates and loves, but here's a way that we can pray that is just very simple. You can draw it for yourself. You can put the details on yourself. And it takes, you know, five, ten minutes. Just work your way through uh, to the edges of the circles and pray. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do now. I said right at the start that you learn to pray by praying. And you've heard me talk about the fact that God loves it uh, when we pray to him. God loves to answer our prayers. Prayers change us as we're changed. We grow in our ability to pray. And I'm going to ask you to spend some time praying. If you're a guest here today, like there's no pressure on you at all. If you just want to sit and listen to how brilliant our prayers are, then you might be waiting a while, but you can just do that. If you feel comfortable, uh, then join in with these this moment. And what I'd like you to do is get into groups. I'm trying to think of like a a number which isn't too small or too big. So perhaps four people, four or five people, something like that. And I would like you to start by praying for yourselves. And you might just want to pray for one another even in that. And then I'd love you just to work your way out uh, so you end up in a nation other than the UK. All right? No one's smiling at me at this point, so I'm hoping, I know this is a big ask, But this is putting into practice what we've learned, all right? So is that okay? Can you find, turn around, just be friendly, make sure you know everyone's names, and then find three, four, five people, something like that, amongst you, 
and then I'd like you, we've got 10 minutes for this, okay? 10 minutes. 10 minutes just to start praying with one another. We'll put some quiet music on in the background, just really quiet.